And the, the sermon title for today is Family Redefined. How following Jesus redefines our priorities and our family. So read with me, three, verses 20 to 21, and then we're going to pick up again at 31 to 35. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered so that they might not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. For they were saying, he is out of his mind. We're going to skip verses 22 to 28, uh, excuse me, 22 to 30. You know we preached on those last week. And I want to move to another passage that is dealing in a very similar way with Jesus and his family. Verse 31. And his mother and brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mothers and brothers? Or who is my who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. God, we come now to your word and we ask for you to open our eyes and open our hearts. God, you you speak to us through your word. You transform our hearts and our minds. And so we ask that you give us wisdom as we study your word and as we seek to to look at how did Jesus' family respond to him and to his mission. We ask that you would open our hearts to learn and respond to you as we study your word. Amen. So in the book of Mark, as we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark, we have been seeing the responses to Jesus. And so we have we've spent a lot of time, because Mark spends a lot of time really showing us how the Pharisees responded, how we learned last week, not how just the Pharisees, but the scribes themselves. Remember, the scribes are going to come down from Jerusalem to, to take a look at this Jesus who's casting out demons uh, and performing miracles and preaching about the kingdom. And one of the things that Mark does is he also shows us, he thinks it's important to help us see how did Jesus' own family respond to his mission. And Mark does it twice. So in verses 20 to 21, we see that his family came outside, uh, or or came to where he was ministering, uh, and they wanted to seize him and to take him away. And then in verses 31 to 35, it actually is going to add a little bit more specific, not just family. It says his mother and his brothers come to him. And so I want to dive deeper because Mark thought it was important to twice refer to exactly how Jesus' family was responding to his mission. And what we're going to look at, if I were to give you a little outline, we're going to see three things uh, from this text. In verses 20 to 21, we're going to see that following Jesus redefines our priorities. And we're going to learn an important principle for for how we are to follow Jesus. What's the place of our family when it comes to following Jesus and his mission? In verses 31 to 34, we're going to take a look at how following Jesus redefines our family or who our family is. Jesus is going to say something amazing. And so we're going to look at how following Jesus really brings us into a whole new definition of family and family relationships. And lastly, in verse 35, 
we're going to look at how Jesus himself defines who our family members are. Jesus is going to give us a, a little definition. He's going to uh, continue to refine this idea of, of that initial invitation. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so Jesus is going to uh, define for us who our family members are. So, let's look at verses 20, 21. You're welcome. Can I come on and sit down? No worries. Hey, I'm glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Come in and have a seat. So, verse 20 and 21. Let's take a look. Specifically, it says, Then he went out, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. Remember, this is right after Jesus has uh, called his disciples up to the mountain, remember, and he chose 12. So, this, if you're going kind of chronologically in the text, Jesus and his disciples come down from being on the mountain or, or spending time together. And this is what they're hit with. Have you ever kind of had, kind of like been called away, had a good, uh, this is going to be Stefan's week, right? Yeah, uh, he wasn't with Jesus on the mountain, but he was recovering for Corona. He was not at work, but he's going to step into a very busy week. Have you had that? Like sometimes taking a vacation is great, but the difficulty is coming back in to what's waiting for you. So here's what was waiting for Jesus. A scene that was so chaotic that when all the people found out, because they obviously were looking for him, when he comes back down off the mountain, he's so surrounded by people who are so needy and everybody wanting to talk with him that they could not even eat their food. I don't know, can you, can you imagine chaos that's taking place? Uh, imagine the, the crowds, the press, who want to just be able to talk to Jesus and, and if, if you have maybe a, a family member who, who needs healing, and you've heard that Jesus has healed and healed and healed, I'm sure that maybe you didn't sit in the line to be queued for everybody orderly waiting their way. There was no number system to wait to talk to Jesus. What happened was the crowd just kind of came in, and it was chaos. And everybody wanted to be able to access Jesus, if I could just see him, if I could just talk with him. Uh, if, if for my family member or my wife or myself. And so we have this chaos. And in the midst of that, it says that his family heard it. They heard that Jesus is in the middle of this chaos. And by the way, so Mark doesn't give us all the details we might ask. If you're kind of following along, Jesus is from Nazareth. And so if his family, uh, maybe he had family that lived in the area, uh, it, it wouldn't have been terribly far, but his family is, is at least, last we knew, is not properly located right in uh, Capernaum or Capernaum. So we know that they come to him, and here's what they say. They said they wanted to seize him because he's out of his mind. Now, I don't know if uh, you're the same way as me. I think we're probably all the same way. Whenever you do something in life, you kind of want your family to be proud of you or accepting of you. Uh, I'm pretty sure it works the same way for you. Uh, is that as, as you are doing something you believe to be significant, it's really meaningful when your family embraces that as well. What we find out here, and we're honestly, we're not given, is this a, a truly genuine concern? So like, if Jesus can't even find the time to eat, so maybe this is genuine concern. Maybe his family members are coming and saying, Jesus, 
we love you, and we, and we believe you're on God's mission. But this can't go on. You can't do this. You're, you're, you, your disciples, think of their families. Think of their kids. Think of what you're going through. You can't keep up at this pace. Was, was, was that the way they talked to him? Or was it, listen, you're crazy. This is an embarrassment. The, the chaos that you're bringing. Everywhere you go, it's chaos. Everywhere you go, the, the houses are turned upside down. Uh, wherever, wherever you travel, it's nuts. We're, we can't even be close to you. I can't even enjoy being around you. Like, you're my own brother. I'm your sister, or I'm your mother. We can't even get close. It's so crazy around you. We don't know, right? What, what was it? And maybe it was both. Maybe it was genuine concern, but also maybe they were frustrated. Like, when I can't access my own brother, or, or with Mary, when, when I can't see my own son because of the chaos of his ministry, I draw a line. Or maybe Mary was sitting there, you know, she looked at him like a mother. Jesus, look how thin you are. Like, when have you been eating? Uh, are you been taking care of yourself? We, we don't know, and I, I don't say that and, and to try to be funny, but we do know this. His family comes to him, and their genuine desire was to seize him. Now, when you use the word seize, this is literally to take somebody by force, right? So they, they were recognizing, unless we take him by force and try to bring him out, he won't stop. And so, this is the understanding. Now, once again, were they embarrassed? Were they concerned? Were they frustrated? I don't know. But Mark sees fit to make us very clearly understand Jesus' own family was not quite sure of the way he was ministering. And the first thing I want to do today, before we get to the principles, I just want to talk about a practical life lesson. And I would say this, if, if you are going to follow Jesus you need to expect, maybe not all, but you need to expect that some of those around you, either your family or friends, will not understand the cost of following Jesus. Some of your family, some of those that you love the most, will not understand the cost of following Jesus. Now, there's, there's a couple ways of, of, of kind of looking at this. It, it could be kind of on the front end, where I've been hearing about Jesus, I've been learning about Jesus, but uh, I'm not sure if I want to follow. Maybe, maybe uh, it, it's you recognizing following Jesus will put me at odds with not only this culture, but also my own family, right? We, we, we recognize that even today, to, to say that you're a Christian because of some of the beliefs that, that we believe are straight from the scriptures or from God himself and his character makes us at odds with the society who defines many different things in different ways. Whether it's marriage, whether it's gender, uh, whether it's one way of salvation, uh, whether it's who Jesus is and his identity. To, to align ourselves with Jesus is to realize that if I truly do follow him, it's going to put me at odds with, with people that I love. Or with, and that could be at work, that could be with your family. But one of the things that it is you need to understand, you have to expect, if you're going to follow Jesus, others to misunderstand what it is to follow Jesus, and for others to misunderstand 
the mission. And I would say very specifically is they have a problem understanding the cost of following Christ. And I would say, besides misunderstanding, many people would probably think we're misguided with the way we're choosing to live our life. And I would say that's what's going on here with Jesus. Uh, I don't think it's that Jesus' family didn't love him. But obviously there came a point when they processed what they think God would call us to do, and they saw how Jesus was living out his life, and, and at a great cost to people. i got to tell you, uh, Jesus was willing to get very uncomfortable with people in his personal space, taking up his time. Uh, and have, if, if you have lived a Christian life, then you know, right? I try to love people, and then I hit my limit. Like, okay, patience is done. Or, okay, hospitality is done. Okay, I can't have my house this dirty. Okay, uh, I can't have somebody... I was going to work out today at the gym. I wasn't planning on six hours with this person. I was planning on, like, 45 minutes. Uh, all of us reach that point, right, where we have to think of... What is this cost of following Jesus? What is the cost of loving God? What is the cost of loving people? And I can promise you that we should expect, not all, but we should expect those we love, whether it's family or friends or colleagues or co-workers, to misunderstand what it, what it means to us or, or what it looks like for us to follow Christ. That's practical lesson number one. The principle I want to draw out of these verses and keep in mind, these verses are relatively scant, but I want to show you some passages from uh, the Gospels where Jesus speaks more clearly on this. I want to talk to you about a, a foundational principle, and that is that following Jesus redefines our priorities. Specifically, Jesus modeled that following God's will or obeying God takes priority over your family. So not only... Do you, as a practical thing, do you need to expect that to be misunderstood? As a matter of principle, Jesus is going to model that following God's will or obeying God must take priority over your own family. This is for, on one side, the person who is thinking about believing and recognize this will make a division between me, my family, my father, my mother, my brothers. It could be for, on the other side, the parent who's trying to love their children and recognizing, I can't love you or allow you to live in this way. My allegiances are first and foremost to God. I will love you in every way that I can, but I will not allow you to basically redefine our family by the way that you are, are choosing to live your life. Uh, basically, if you look at both sides, one is, you have to, to consider, right? we're, we're told to, uh, to count the cost before building the tower. Jesus invites us, consider the cost. Here's what following me looks like. And Jesus makes clear, here's the principle. God will, must take priority over your family. And we'll, we'll explain what that looks like, right? Because uh, you might have some ideas coming in your head that think, well, what is, how does that practically look out? Uh, and on the other side, I would say it's parents. We have to make sure our family is about, if, if you are a mother or father, is about following Christ. It, it is not dictated by the, the whims of our, our children or our adult children. Is that we have to make a choice. And, and uh, for, for some of you, you're, maybe this is vague. If you're a parent who has dealt in difficult situations, where, where literally it is 
What do we do, and does our child stay in our house when they make these choices? Uh, those, that's real. And one of the questions is, what do we do? So let me just clarify. And that is that if you must. So what is loving God more or prioritizing loving God more than your family? I would say if you must choose between obeying God and obeying your, your family or obeying the wishes of your family, the simple uh, principle is we must obey God. Remember when, when uh, Peter was told you can't preach the gospel anymore? Uh, he's in prison, and they tell him, do not speak in this man's name anymore. Do not proclaim Jesus. And Peter says, well, whether it's right or wrong for us to proclaim Jesus, we're supposed to obey God. I'll deal with the consequences. And I think our minds can think of all the consequences. Well, if I think this and this and this. But Jesus actually simplifies it for us. The principle is we prioritize obedience to God over all else. That doesn't mean not loving your families, and it doesn't mean not loving your kids, but we have to be able to prioritize God above all else. Maybe another way to put it is, if your family is in first place, by very definition, God is in second place, and if God's in second place, he's not God. It's your family that you worship. It's your family that you love. If, and let's switch it. If your kids are what you love most, and that, that prevents you from actually taking a stand on, on things that you know are biblical, then your kids are in first place. Your kids are the ones you're offending. If you have to make a choice between offending family or kids or coworkers, to choose to willingly offend God and his revealed will, for your life, rather than to, to choose to say, I love my family, but I I refuse to disobey God. Right? So that is probably the most simple disclarification. That can apply to many different circumstances. But if you have to make a choice between obeying God and somehow and you might think of letting down my family or not loving my family, it's it's really the simple is is God in first place, and in wanting to love God, am I willing to choose to follow his ways and deal with any of the consequences that might occur in family, at work, or even in following Christ? Because here's, here's the, the minute we get that reversed, and the minute we, we start trying to satisfy all the parties, you'll never stop. You will never, you, you, how are you going to, if you make one concession, I, you know, I, I will not really speak out about this issue at work. Or, or if I know this is offensive to my family. I'm not talking about offensive behavior. I'm talking about simply following God. So there, there's, there's an ability to respect your family. There's an ability to love your family. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying be a great son, be a great daughter, be a loving parent. But do all of those things in a way that's saying... Here's what my kids will see by God's grace, or here's what my parents will see by God's grace. I understand God to be God, and nobody else goes in his place. I understand that loving God means doing or, or, or living my life in a way that brings him honor and glory. And I'm okay if that would happen to, in my parents' eyes, or my colleagues' eyes, put us against each other. Because... I'll trust for God to work out those things or to give me the love to walk in the situation or to give me the wisdom to walk in the situation. But at the end of the day, 
Your eternal salvation is not based upon your family or your colleagues or anybody else. It's based upon whether you know and understand who God is and have responded to his invitation to know him and follow him. It's really that simple. So, the first thing that I want you to see from just verses 20 and 21, one, see how Jesus' family responded. They wanted to restrain Jesus. They wanted to prevent Jesus from ministering. And so you can expect the fact that you're going to run into obstacles. You're going to run into people who don't fully understand. The principle I would draw out of that, I think, is very clear. By the way, uh, you can tell by the the next verses, right, when we studied verses 22 to 28, was Jesus uh, in... uh, uh, talking with the scribes who've come down from Jerusalem and explaining them in parables that he has cast out the strong man, or, or he has bound the strong man, uh, and he is casting out demons because he truly is the authority. If you look how Jesus responded, Jesus' family came concerned. Jesus did not allow their concerns to dissuade him from continuing on the ministry. Look at the very next verse. Uh, if you want to look through 22 to 30, we see that Jesus was not deterred. Now, I want to look at verses 31 to 35, because I want to see how Jesus is also going to redefine not only our priorities, but our understanding of family. And in between, you know, is the story from last week. If you were not here from last week, the scribes come down from, to Jerusalem. The big question in the air is, how is Jesus casting out demons? What is the power the scribes say he's doing that because he's possessed. He's possessed by Satan himself. Jesus counters with some parables. And he basically says, a house, a kingdom divided can't stand, a house divided can't stand. And then he's going to share another parable that tells how he's doing it. He says, you can't go into the strong man's house and plunder his goods unless you have bound, bound the strong man. And then Jesus is going to tell them to deny that the work he's doing is by the Holy Spirit is to commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It, it, blasphemy is literally to tell a lie about what you know to be true. And so that was the context uh, of last week's sermon. We pick up in 31, 34, and it goes straight to the narrative about Jesus and his mother and brothers coming. Now, just a thought. We don't know how much time passed in between. Um, and Mark doesn't see fit to tell us any of the details. Could what have happened be Jesus uh, is, is the word spreads about what Jesus has said to the scribes, right? And it was, it was very clear, very black and white. Jesus has basically said, if you scribes are going to deny that this is, I'm doing this by the very power of God, then you are eternally damned. It's really that simple. Does word get back to Nazareth? Does word get back to Mary? Do do the scribes themselves, right? In many cultures, they do this. If they can't reason with you, they go and put pressure on your family. I've lived in cultures where where that's the norm. Um, If if we can't control you, here is how our culture works. The the influential members of our culture will go to your family. Did they go to Jesus' family? Did they say to to Mary? Did they say to Jesus' brothers? Listen, if your brother or your son keeps teaching like this, life's going to get very difficult for you in these areas. Did they say, you want to find a job? You want work? Uh, Or uh, you want acceptance in this community? Which would have been obviously really significant. You want to continue to attend the synagogue? Then you will talk to your son. Or you will talk to your brother. I don't know. 
But just know there's details that we don't have in between. There's details between Jesus coming off the mountain, Jesus having a meal or trying to have a meal with his, his disciples, this story from last week, and now a second visit by his family. I don't know how much time took place, but you can use your own mind to recognize real life happened in between and real life conversations. And now his family's approaching him, and Mary comes, and his brothers. And it says, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. So you get the picture that Jesus is meeting with his disciples, uh, or meeting with his followers, and uh, they're in some kind. Remember, the houses at the time are, are not like ours, where basically you're all boxed in. There's oftentimes like a little courtyard. Um, we have we have seen that that could be flooded because it kind of has these these this area, uh, a, a house, kind of a maybe a kitchen here, a, a bedroom here. There's an open area, and so. People are probably all around Jesus in that little inner courtyard of the house. His mother and brothers come up. And what's interesting to me is, first of all, that they weren't like everyday followers. So, so at this point in time, Mary and Jesus' brothers are not literally following him from place to place, at least according to this. So they're, they're not in his everyday group of uh, disciples. Were they followers? We know uh, that his, his brother James eventually was the leader of, of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, we know that obviously Mary is literally at his feet at the cross, I believe. Uh, I don't think Mary what is at odds with Jesus. But it, it may have taken time for her to fully figure out Jesus' ministry. Remember going back to the wedding of Canaan, when, when they're at a wedding and Mary says, do something. The, the wine ran out. And Jesus says, why do you ask me? It's not my time. The, Mary doesn't, she's not God. She doesn't fully understand how Jesus is going to be used. But she knows he's different. She knows he of the, the prophecies about him. So his family comes, and I don't know what the relationship is at this point in time. Whether they're fully on board with Jesus' ministry, whether they're having questions like everybody else, whether they recognize this is Jesus' time with his disciples, and, and my life continues in Nazareth. What I do know is this. They didn't see fit to actually go inside and to be with the crowd and be listening to Jesus. They actually stood outside. And they pass a message on to the crowd, or who maybe whoever was standing outside the door. And they say, hey, we're Jesus' mother, or I'm Jesus' mother and his brothers. We want to talk to him. They don't use the same language as the first passage where it says they wanted to seize him. But it says they want to talk. Now, Jesus uses this uh, this situation to teach a very important principle. And by the way, Mark doesn't give us the rest of the story. We have no idea what was said, if they met. My, my assumption, just, just so you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Jesus loved his mom. He, he would have honored his family. Uh, what that conversation was or what he did, I don't know. What I can tell you is, Jesus would not have stood his mother up or embarrassed his mother, but he does use this as a teaching opportunity. Uh, I would say Jesus is always willing to fulfill the heart of the law, but he doesn't feel held by cultural norms, ever. And so he's always willing to redefine. Because uh, one of the questions people have is, was Jesus rude to his family? Was Jesus rude to his mother? She comes, she wants to see him, she passes the message, I want to see you, I'm standing outside. And Jesus turns and uses it as a teaching opportunity. And he says to the crowd, much like this, who are my mother and my brothers? And then he's going to teach, and this is the second principle, is Jesus is going to redefine 
what it means to be a family. You have your natural family, but Jesus says, Who are my mother and my brothers? In verse 34, he says, And looking at those who are around them, he said, My mother and my brothers. So Jesus is going to redefine family. And the second principle is simply this. As followers of Jesus, we've been called into a new family of God. Jesus redefines the bonds of family for his followers to include all who follow him. Why is this significant? You probably don't have any closer relationship than your own family. When you, when, when you sit there, if you were to count your blessings, you were to say, what are you most thankful for? Apart from Christ, I would say, for most of us, what we would say is the bonds I have uh, as a husband or wife or with my kids are the, most, the things I hold most dear. This is the most significant thing. This has had the greatest impact on my life. The love that we share as a family. And it's a gift, right? For, for those of us who have experienced wonderful family, we know there is nothing in life like living in community. We also know it can be terrible when it goes wrong. What Jesus does here is he doesn't diminish your natural family, but he raises up this, this new family to the same level, which should blow our minds. Is that Jesus raises up this idea of all who follow Jesus, what we might call the church, right? The church in general, but now specifically when I look, there's this local church that you are my family of faith. Jesus raises up you and me and our kids together. We have our natural family, and Jesus raises up this idea of a new family that he puts on the same plane. So Jesus doesn't actually, or Mark doesn't tell us the rest of the story. What happened between Jesus and his mother? For Mark, it's not important. Mark's concern is not to tell us about that interaction. He's more, more concerned about telling you what Jesus taught about the family. And the way that he can share this important truth is he shares the story of Jesus' family visit. They came, and the word gets through the crowd, and all of it makes its way all the way to Jesus. Jesus' mother and brother are here. Jesus' mother and brother. It literally comes from the back. It works its way all the way to Jesus. And somebody finally in the front says, Jesus, your mother and brothers are here to see you. To which Jesus looks at the crowd. And Matthew actually says he, he uses his hand as a gesture. And he says, these are my mother and my brothers. And so Jesus redefines your family. The reason that is important is because when you think about what it takes to have uh, to grow as a, a natural or nuclear family, then you recognize that Jesus is inviting us to open ourselves up and be accountable into relationships in this family in the same way that we have raised, that we protect our relationship with our, our wife or husband, that we protect our relationship with our kids. You know, all of that comes from, one, a mutual commitment to love each other and a mutual commitment to invest in each other's lives. That's what family is, right? At the end of the day, the reason family is significant is because they, you have a bond that you don't have with the average person. There's a commitment to love each other through thick and thin and to, and to literally lay down your lives for each other. And you recognize that participating in that is significant. Jesus raises what happens in the church to that level. And that should shock you. So not only does Jesus say, hey, new priority, I'm following me and being a part of the mission is the new priority. It takes precedence over your family. 
Jesus is going to talk about family and what it looks like in a whole new way. And he says, by the way, the people who follow me, this new thing called the church, is on the same level. And that means that one of the things we need to think about is, how am I giving my life to this body of believers? How am I giving myself, my time, and how well am I, I loving others? Because here's what often happens. You or your family can almost act like you're singles, right? I go to church, but I'm, I'm not that committed. I don't have to invest. And when I don't want to or when I experience anything that's uncomfortable, I can kind of withdraw and I can just kind of participate when I want to. Imagine how that would work at your house. Imagine how that would work with your spouse. Like, ah, you know what? Things are kind of dicey. Not so easy. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to kind of ghost on this, right? I'm just going to kind of take the easy way out. I know we're in commitment, but uh, while things are, are difficult, I'm just not going to fulfill my commitments. So, there's a new relationship for you to think about. There's a new identity. Now, let me just close. There's a... a Another point, and I'm just going to mention this in passing. By the way, Jesus redefines. Here's the, the uh, fourth point. How does Jesus define membership in God's family? The mark of all true disciples is the fact that they follow and do the will of God. Obedience. So if, if you are wanting to do, like, we have the, all these self-check tests, right? In, in the COVID era, you have a self-check, right? I can check for myself whether I have COVID. Here's a self-check test to know whether you are a follower of Jesus and whether you are a member of the church. Do you do the will of God? It really goes back to that first point, right? There, there can be no greater priority than God himself, even your own family. Uh, and by the way, if you choose to follow God, you will love your family in a whole new way uh, because the way God invites you to lay your life down for your spouse, the way God invites you to love your family as Jesus loves the church. The way God invites you for, for children to honor their parents, for, for wives and, and, and husbands to have a, a loving relationship where they consider each other's needs. If you follow Christ, you're not laying anything down for family. You will actually love your family in a way that you were fully intended. Uh, following God redefines everything. You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better coworker. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better spouse. You'll be a better child if you follow God. So, by the, so I'm not saying, oh, here's God and now poor, your poor family. No, I'm saying, yo, you want to love your family? Follow God. You want to love your spouse? Follow God. You want to be a better child? Then commit yourself to following God in His ways, which are good and are always life-giving. So the last thing is, if you want to do a self-test, if you want to know whether you're in the faith, Jesus gives you a self-test. Everybody in the family of God does the will of God. And if you attend, but your life doesn't actually look any different. If you're not a different worker, if you're not a different husband, if you're not a different wife, if you're not a different child, as far as, no matter what age, 5 or 25 or 50, right? I'm still a child of my parents. If, if your faith has not affected your identity as those things, then you're not following the will of God, because God gives you a whole other new life to live, of loving God and loving people. So, and if you notice, we normally end at 12. Today we start about 15 minutes late. This is my last practical application, and then we'll close in our song. Let me just read through these. Practical applications. I'm going to go back and just read to you our four points. Practical life lesson expect to be misunderstood by family and friends. Here's all I want to say. The journey with Jesus is not about easy. 
It's about eternal life. It's not about easy. Jesus invites you, he says, follow me to the narrow path which leads to life, for broad is the path that leads to destruction. Following Jesus might mean you will be misunderstood by family, by friends, and by co-workers. And we all want easy, but here's the reality. You won't agree with your parents or your co-workers on anything, let alone Jesus. You'll argue about your pants. You'll argue about anything. You, you won't agree with it. Those are too tight. They're too loose. I, my hair, it's too long. But you'll argue with your co-workers about any number of things. Don't think it's just about Christ. God has not invited you in an easy life. He's invited you to eternal life. Principle, priority of your family over God. God cannot be second place and still be God. By very definition. If there is a God who is willing to take second place, folks, that's not God. That's a good philosophy of life. That might be many things, but God, by very definition, is supreme. If God is in second place, he's not God to you. You're following your own man-made religion of, and filling in the blanks of, here's a good life. Principle of family over God, or, or principle of the family of God. In the very same way you love and are committed to your natural family, Jesus invites you to love and commit yourself to your brothers and sisters who are fellow followers of Christ. This family should look like and become like your natural family. The very same kind of love is the very same kind of love that should be seen in here. And when it is, then you will see the gospel being lived out and people, and this community actually being a witness to what the, the, the power of the gospel is transformed. Lastly, membership defined. It's not about attendance. It's about obedience. You can come to church all your life. It doesn't save you. It's not about attendance, it's about, it's about obedience. If you're following yourself, you're not following God. 